All right, let's begin with the word of prayer, and and um, then we'll start. Lord, we're thankful for the uh, past, present, and future work of sanctification that you are doing, uh, that you have done, and that you will do. And and uh, Lord, we thank you that we come to know you more clearly and come to uh, come to a greater um, place of maturity because of our view of Christ. And Lord, we want to know Him more. We want to to understand His ways. We want to know how to proclaim His truth. And that's what we put our attention to today as we look at some of these other religions, major world religions, um, that have just sucked in uh, millions and billions of people and have turned them away from the Christ that we love. Lord, help us know uh, how to refute these religions so that we can be uh, better defenders of the faith as we have responsibility, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This week I want to provide you with an overview of the five major world religions and what the underlying beliefs are and uh, show you some of the context of how their religions overlap with ours but also mainly how they differ from ours. So um, we'll talk about this hopefully if we have time at the end but but uh, one of the things that, that we can um, we can do harm to our our um, presentation of the gospel is when we come across as non-listening that is we're, we're quick to speak and quick to tell them what they're supposed to do but we're not willing to listen to them now um, there's a difference between listening in order to to learn and receive and and listening in order to understand. And that's what we want to do with people with uh, differing religions than us. That we want to listen to understand what they're saying. Uh, because if we're trying to refute them uh, and we just broad brush everything that they have to say, put them in a category, and they don't even see themselves in that category, then we've actually um, uh, discredited our ability to listen and to understand. And so... That's what we want to look at this week. We want to see um, some of these major world religions, some of their main tenets of their faith, and then uh, what we have similar to them. Because, as you know, with truth, or with, with falsehood, I should say, or with any false teaching, there's, there's usually, the ones that are most believable, there's usually an element of truth, or usually there's a lot of truth. Right? Go to a Catholic service sometime. Go to a Catholic funeral or... Um, you'll, you'll sing some of the same hymns that we sing, and they'll read some of the same scriptures that we read here. So, um, uh, just because they have, uh, they are false teaching doesn't mean they don't teach anything that is truth. And what I don't want to do is put them on a pedestal and, and say, well, their truth is good, and that's not what I'm trying to do. But I do want to say, when you're talking to these people, um, it's okay to affirm what they actually believe. You don't have to say everything that you believe is, is false affirm the things that are true and then point to the places where they are are wrong. Well, um, we live in a pluralistic society. We, we talked about this, this idea of um, a post-modern society, a post-Christian society, one that, that um, doesn't even believe in the box, you know, and reality and God, what is that? What, how can we really know these things? And that certainly comes across when it comes to religious pluralism. And the question that you're going to 
uh, often be faced with is, do all roads lead to God? Do all roads lead to the top of the mountain? You know, God's at the top, and, you know, if you come up by way of Buddhism or Hinduism or Judaism or Christianity, you're all going to eventually get to the top. And as I mentioned a few weeks ago, I think it was on Easter Sunday, all roads do lead to God, but not in the way that people tend to talk about it. Um, and that is that everyone eventually will make it to God, uh, but many will be judged by Him. Uh, not in the, the way that they think about it. All roads lead to salvation is their idea, that, that no matter how we get up there, there's lots of different ways you can get to the top of a mountain. Um, we're, we're all going to get there. And so um, what, what you'll find is that, that um, people tend to look at religions, especially in our postmodern society, as, um, as amiable and as agreeable, that it's okay for you to have your religion, it's, it's okay for me to have mine, it's okay for my neighbor to have some other religion, it's okay. Because um, we're all kind of blind uh, tribesmen who are kind of wandering around in life and we, we don't really know what we're grasping at. And so we take the best idea that we have according to what we can see. And the example that's been used historically is of some blind people who come across an elephant. Have you, has anybody heard this illustration before? Okay, you come across an elephant and one person come, or, or one group of people, they come across the trunk and so they feel the trunk and and they think, you know, that, that the, all the world is like a palm tree because the trunk is similar to a palm tree. And somebody else, you know, some other group of people are just around this elephant that, that and they, they're at the tail and, and they think that the world is like a rope. Um, and maybe, you know, another group of people are around a different part of the elephant. And, that, and they basically say that's the way it is with life. We don't know, all know who God is really. We can't really know him. Um, and we're just all like blind people coming uh, upon an elephant. And, um, and, and so, you know, your Christianity, you can't say that that's the only way. You can't say that that's the only way to God because we're all blind. And, and that illustration may be fine, but, but what would happen if the elephant actually spoke? What if the elephant actually said, this is who I am and this is what I am all about. This is... You know, you're not just seeing one part of me now. You just, or you are seeing one part of me. You need to recognize there's more than than just the part that you're seeing. And so I think that um, that that would change everything. And that's that's part of the challenge is that these people don't want to acknowledge. Remember Romans one. They suppress the truth that they already know about God. Every single person knows that the true and living God exists but they don't want to believe Him. And it's one of the ways that they suppress Him is in concert with what Satan is doing, which is he's blinding their eyes. They're suppressing Him. Satan's helping them to suppress God by blinding them. And he, he does it very deceivingly, much like a serpent would, and that is that he mixes truth with error. And that's what we're going to find um, here. And, and so when you come across people today, um, you know, whether it be at work or in your neighborhood or wh wherever, people are more concerned with sincerity rather than truth. Have you ever noticed that? You know, people that become pa very passionate about what they believe and they think that, you know, they may even to, to come to tears 
uh, over what they believe. And then we kind of feel bad, like, <clears throat> oh, okay, well, maybe, maybe they are passionate. We should leave them be. But, but the truth of the gospel <clears throat> um, actually shows us that <clears throat> we need to break down that, that barrier, that wall that they are actually um, sincerely wrong, sadly. Um, and and they, that, that's probably not the best way to tell them that, but but um, but they they are following things that are very attractive, but but are but are surely mis misguided. <coughs> um, so we need to recognize that there are differences in in the basic tenets of what we believe, the basic foundation of what we believe that God exists and that God has spoken and that God has spoken most clearly through His Son. Um, and we also have to recognize that there are differing goals in, life, in, in our lives, right? I mean, the Buddhism, uh, the Buddhist, his goal is nirvana or extinction. Muslims' desire is for the sensual paradise with wine and women and music. But the goal of Christianity is to know God and to enjoy Him forever in the company of other believers. Uh, we need to recognize these differences. So we'll talk about these as we as we go through. Um, the bottom line is that we can't adopt a view that says that all religions uh, are just different ways to reach to the same place, that is, to get to the top of the mountain. We can't adopt that view. That is pluralism. That is just saying, you know, uh, Jesus. what Jesus said in John 14, 6 is not true. When he said, I am the way the truth and the, the life and that no one comes to the Father but through me, he was a liar or mistaken. Okay? Um, so, so to take that sort of view that says all religions are okay, we, we should just coexist and um, it, it's okay for you to believe what you want to believe. That is a lie of the devil. Um, <clears throat> all right, so let me... Um, this is not going to be comprehensive in the summary of these five major world religions, and hopefully at the end I'll show you um, how we can can uh, break down some of their walls as we're we're talking with them. But but um, if you want a more detailed look into some of these world religions, um, there's a there's a good website called AllAboutTruth.org, and it, you can pretty much look up any of these major world religions and several others, allabouttruth.org. And um, and this is where uh, much of this information is drawn from, by the way, allabouttruth.org. So, um, all right, let's, uh, let's start with Judaism. There are 14 million Jews worldwide. I'm talking about... Um, religious Jews, that is, people who believe in Judaism, 5 million in the un United States. Uh, the history, of course, is the Old Testament, that God has a special relationship with them, that He has cemented that covenant um, with the Mosaic covenant on Mount Sinai 3,500 years ago. He set them apart and gave them a set of rules to live by. He disciplined them when they strayed and led them to possess this fertile slice of land in the Mediterranean. And God revealed to Moses and expressed his charter in the law. So that is their Bible, the law. Uh, they see God. Okay, what we're going to do here in each of these sections, I'm going to look at basic facts about the religion, then the history, I just looked at that, and then what, how they see God, how they see man's problem, how they see salvation, 
what they think of Jesus, how we how we can relate with them. In other words, what kind of things do we actually agree with them on, the areas of truth, and then finally the differences. So so thirdly, I want to look at the how they view God. They view God as a God of love and a God of judgment. They see man's sin as... Um, they see man as being capable of sin, but that all men are basically good um, and, and just a little bit flawed. And so they need, they need some direction to get back to God. Salvation for Judaism comes through penitence, good works, right? Observances of the law, which, okay, I'm kind of skipping ahead to, to differences here, but, but Paul said, by, no one will be justified by the works of the law, right? And, and this is what Judaism believes. Um, they believe that salvation comes through the moral observance of the law and that sacrifice is important, um, but sacrifices are ultimately inadequate and that there is a Messiah that is coming. They're, they are waiting for a Messiah. So their view of Jesus obviously is <coughs> that, he was, um, that, that he was either a prophet or a heretic. And... Um, certainly not the promised Messiah, right? He's come and gone. He's not for us. He wasn't for us. And that's why um, he was shown to be a fraud, in their view, by the fact that he was killed, just like all the other um, uh, leaders of these, these insolent people. Now, where we can agree with the Jews, obviously, are, uh, we believe in a principled moral code that Human choice is real and has significant results. We also agree that there is only one God, Deuteronomy 6.4. I mean, there's a number of ways in which we agree with Jews. The difference is, however, the main difference is what? Right? It's Jesus. Okay? First John says that, that if you don't believe in the Son, you don't believe in the Father. Jesus said that often in the Gospel of John. Okay? So... So don't tell me how much you love God and know God and are serving God if you don't believe in His Son. Okay? There, there are three proofs in the book of John, 1 John for how we know we can know Him. And one of them is that we obey His laws. We obey God's commandments. Another is that we love one another. And the third is that we believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And so as much as... Uh, as we'd like to say a lot of good things about those who believe in Judaism, um, we call them non-Messianic Jews, um, they are mistaken. They are wrong and they are headed for hell until they recognize that Jesus is the only way to God. And um, so the question that I think we need to ask them is, if, if the Messiah has not come... If Jesus is not the Messiah, then uh, or um, then are you faithfully following him? I mean, because the scriptures tell us that Jesus is the Messiah, and so how can you be faithfully following him, God? That is, because that's what they're going to tell you. That's what the Pharisees would tell Jesus as well. And Jesus says, "If you um, if you knew me, you'd know my Father, but you don't know me. You don't believe in me." Anybody? come across any uh, non-Messianic Jews? Yeah, my, my favorite question to a non-Messianic Jew is, how do you get your fingers home for a day? 
I know what your law says. Your law says you need to have these animal sacrifices to atone for sins, but I don't believe you're doing that. And they're not doing that, right? Are you going to atone for it? Yeah. They usually have to. I'll get back to you on that. They don't. Do you have one that you work with, or? There's one there. It lives right behind us. Okay. All right. Anybody else run into a non-Messianic Jew? When we were in New York um, visiting Tim Richmond, um, he had some even some uh, Messianic Jews, believers who had come, and that, it's a huge ostracism that takes place once you make that switch, especially in a in a uh, city that's full of Jews. I mean, everything. It's the whole lifestyle, the the places you eat, everything that you do, and I mean. It, it really brings back the New Testament times almost in, in full picture because it's like you can totally see how Peter in Galatians would do something like he did, acting one way around the Jews, another way around the Gentiles. And um, uh, not to excuse him, but, but you can totally see how much pressure there was. <coughs> and, um, and they just have a whole community of people who just reject. And Tim's working hard there, you know, prayerfully to um, to see those people turn to Christ that's their only hope their only hope alright we need to keep moving uh, Islam is next um, Islam is the name of the, the religion um, Muslims are the name of the followers of this religion Islam is more than a system of belief um, the, their faith provides a social and legal system and it governs everything about them, their family life, law and order, ethics, dress, cleanliness, ritual, and observance, uh, and religious observances as well. Facts about Islam: 1.1 billion people worldwide. It's the mo- it is the um, the uh, it is the, uh, the the largest world religion that there is. 1.1 billion people out of seven out of seven billion. It's primarily in Indonesia, Pakistan, Bangladesh, and India. Of course, you know that it's spreading all over the place. Um, Dan Cuthbertson was telling telling us when we were in Africa that that they are um, moving their way into the Ivory Coast in the northern part. And um, Pastor Conan has actually just started to work in the northern part of the Ivory Coast. Um, their their form of um, their form of Islam is much less combative than than what you're going to find in the Middle East that is in the Ivory Coast but but they still hold to much of the same the history of Islam founded around 622 AD by Muhammad Muhammad was born in Mecca in 570 AD and he was soon orphaned he made ends meet as a camel driver until a wealthy woman employed him they fell in love and married and then Muhammad had some sort of visions in a cave apparently and according to tradition, the Quran was dictated by him. Muhammad was the final messenger through whom Allah uh, revealed the faith to the world. There had been earlier messengers, among them Adam, Noah, Abraham, Moses, and Jesus. But Muhammad was the final messenger that God sent his message to, and he did it in this book called the Quran. Uh, Muhammad began to teach in Mecca gaining followers until there were too many and the people were kicked out. And so they call this the flight, which marks the beginning of the Islamic calendar. Um, And by 632 A.D., 
so ten years after Muhammad founded, founded this religion, he and his followers had taken control of Mecca and most of the Arabian Peninsula by jihad, or holy war. Um, their view of God, they call him Allah, which means the one who is God. They are rigidly monotheistic. What do I mean by that? There is only one God. There is not more than one God. We serve the true God. Um, they believe um, that the idea of an incarnate personal God is blasphemous and absurd. Uh, and absurd. So if we go back to our, our box, you know, you have reality and God is outside of it. He's more like the deistic God for, for um, the Muslims. That is, that he, he created the world, he put it into motion, but he is high and lifted up and that's it. He is not personal in any way. Um, he, does, he has nothing to do with us. He did not come in the form of his son. He's transcendent, but not imminent. That's the way we described it a few weeks ago. They believe that God is all-powerful, created all things, is merciful and compassionate, um, that he has always existed and will always exist. So this is kind of interesting to, to think about. You don't really... Um, hear that too much and or you don't think that other world religions would believe that God always existed but, but both with Judaism and Islam they do uh, as far as mankind's problem they believe that man is capable of sin but not fallen or depraved in the Christian sense of the term they believe that man has an innate capability of pleasing God perfectly or at least efficiently so we have the ability somehow to meet up to God's standards. And the way that we do that is through these five pillars of faith. First, confession. Their confession is there is no God but Allah and Muhammad is the apostle of God. That's their confession. You need to make that confession if you want to be pleasing to God. Secondly, prayer five times a day. Fasting during Ramadan, specifically the ninth month of their calendar. Um, almsgiving to the poor, 2.5% of your savings goes to the poor. And then... Uh, this pilgrimage to Mecca, to Mecca at least once in a lifetime. It is uh, crucial for you to get over there. Uh, they also believe that salvation uh, is with the goal of pleasing Allah and, and is achieved by religious observance. And that it's necessary for you to become a Muslim to repeat the confession and to mean it. So they expect you, if you're going to become a Muslim, to say this statement and then submit to the teaching of Islam. They hold their beliefs very seriously um, and they're very observant about what they believe. Christ, uh, Jesus, they believe that he was a sinless prophet. They believe that he was a sinless prophet. Okay, so there are some things that we can agree on with that regard, but they, do, they, they would never call him God. Not, they don't think that this is God in human form. They don't think this is the Son of God. Um, so the places where we can agree is that Christians agree with Islam that humanity is under a stern moral obligation and that the consequences of failure are severe, that we have responsibility to the Creator God. According to Islam, um, no sacrifice is needed to be forgiven, only faith in Allah sincere repentance and obedience to Islamic law. Um, the differences. The Muslims claim that both the Old and New Testaments, uh, Old and New Testament uh, have been changed and therefore they don't see our Bible as trustworthy 
Instead, um, they used the Quran. They, they believe that God had to give this other book because when he gave this message to his people, to his prophets, um, it, it became corrupted over time, and that's why he had to send it to Muhammad in 622 A.D. Um, they don't deny Judaism or Christianity. They think it's a part of their history. They, they actually include it into their faith. They, they think that Abraham was a Muslim. In their mind, everything is Islam. What we need to explain to them is, and it's not an easy task, is that God was consistent in His revelation and will continue to be until the end. God's primary purpose, however, uh, we need to help them to understand, was not to establish a, a religion, but to establish a personal relationship. And that's a huge difference that we would have. Obviously, the, the primary difference, again, is who is Jesus? Okay, who is Jesus? What did he come to do? And what are we supposed to do? Um, what are we supposed to do in order to follow him? What does he expect of us? Uh, we believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And, and the moment you begin talking about Jesus in that way, they will get offended because um, they think that somehow God the Father would have to come into an, a, a relationship, some kind of a intimate relationship with a woman in order for a son to be created. Okay, so that's that's going to be difficult to try to get past that sort of idea. We have to clarify that Jesus is the Son of God. He has been the Son of God eternally. He's always existed, but that we also believe that there is only one God. That's the Trinity, um, and that's the final major issue that we, we must be addressed. That that we they they're going to say you believe in three different gods: God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We would say we believe in one God in three persons and that's what I think is consistent with the scriptures the other thing I, I didn't mention about Jesus uh, with regard to their understanding is they believe that he did not die on the cross according to the Quran it says they killed him not they crucified him not but it was likened unto them they killed him not knowingly but God raised him and God is most merciful of merciful so in their mind, this verse is saying that God was so merciful he could never allow such a wonderful, sinless prophet as Jesus to die. And therefore, um, this is kind of their way out, that, that he, he um, somehow still lives without dying. All right? How many of you have actually spoken to a Muslim about their faith? At any time, okay, neighbors co-workers um, I uh, went to school in Dearborn and uh, to college yeah there's a few there and I and I also worked in Dearborn and so we have people at Jackson Dawson that that are Muslim in their faith and so um, lots of opportunities to talk to to them and and these kinds of things are what what hold them back but they are very sincere about what they believe I mean um, you find across overseas and things, you see even Muslims will go back, find a place to somehow they figure out which direction to pray and everything. Um, they they are rigidly um, uh, concerned about following these things. So, any thoughts on that? Two, two points I'd like to point out. One is their, their view of salvation. They actually, you follow five pillars, you're even better. That all yes. And when you get judged, it's, it's 
you can follow up on this purpose of this muscle and still get thrown into hell. And you, but the other, the only way you're guaranteed salvation is through martyrdom. You're a martyr for Allah. You're in, mm-hmm. no matter what. Yeah. That's why it's not so easy for them to find volunteers to, to murder. The second one is, is uh, they're waiting for someone to come back called the body in the HDI. And that's their prophet that's returning. That God is prophet returning. He's going to set all things straight. And there'll be somebody with them. Jesus Christ is going to be with them. But the verse is about Jesus coming back. Well, yeah, they believe that too. Mm. But he's coming as a subordinate to this body. Mm. Their prophet that's supposed to actually come up out of a sewer. (laughs) 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 That's something to open. Yeah, that that is. uh, Yeah, your first point is a good one too. Is because they they can actually um, work out all these commandments and things, and and still not even be sure that that their Allah will accept them. All right, well we gotta keep moving. Hinduism. um, There is no single Hindu idea of God, um, so you're gonna find all sorts of various ideas when it comes to Hinduism. All souls are eternal in their view and are accountable for their own actions. This is where karma comes from. Actually, Hinduism and Buddhism both believe in in karma. Uh, That is, that you know what kind of what goes around comes around. If you do bad to someone, bad's going to come to you, and if you do good, someone good's going to come back to you, and that sort of thing. Um, They deny the Trinity, the deity of Christ, the atonement, that that sin uh, we are sinful, and that uh, salvation comes by sacrifice through Jesus Christ. Instead of resurrection, they believe in reincarnation. Uh, this is probably the second largest world religion. One billion Hindus in the world, most of whom are in India, the United Kingdom, or the United States. They do not separate religion from other aspects of life. For Hindus in India, specifically, Hinduism is an, is an inextricable part of their existence. It is part of everything that they do. That's why it affects you know, whether or not they kill animals, right? It, it's part of, it affects their diet, their politics, everything. So Hinduism started about 3,500 years ago when the Aryan people conquered the Indian subcontinent. There's no specific founder or starting point. It just kind of somehow came about and people started believing this. <coughs> Hindu temples are the focus of religious life, but they're uh, not a strong tradition of corporate congregational worship, um, Hinduism does not offer the same insistence on being the only truth as the faiths above. So the ones that we talked about before are like, hey, we are the only ones. Judaism, um, Islam, Hinduism is kind of like, you know, we believe there are other faiths. It's fine. We all, we're all going to get there. Um, and uh, Hinduism is still actually developing as people uh, tend, to, tend to understand it. So their view of God... Um, they uh, they don't believe in in absolutes. They really believe in many lesser deities, not in one single god. More more uh, the idea is of of many gods. Uh, mankind's problem behind Hindu practice is the belief that, that every soul is trapped in a cycle of birth, death, and rebirth. 
Okay, this is the reincarnation idea. Every Hindu wants to escape this cycle. That this has been going on forever. Birth, rebirth, or birth, death, and then rebirth, and it just keeps going on. And so we want to get out of that cycle is the idea. We want to get to this place, um, to the next life, and it depends on karma, on the goodness and badness of the deeds and the, the current life. And this is what's going on in the TV series Lost from a few years ago. They had all these flashbacks, flash sideways, flash forwards and all that. And there's a struggle between good and evil. And what a person was in one time period was what they were in another time period. And eventually, the goal was to get to this place of nirvana. Um, Hindus aim to live in a way that caused each of their lives to be better than the life before. So they're trying to escape from this cycle. And when someone dies, their soul is said to be reborn into a new body known as reincarnation. Um, and what your next life is is dependent on how you did in this life. So if you were good as a butterfly, that's why you're having a good life now, right? And if you're good in this life, then you'll have a better life in the next one. But if you have a bad life, you're going to go back to, to some um, you know, worm-like existence or something. Um, of course, uh, karma is one of their strong beliefs. The law of cause and effect. Each action will have consequences. Um, they don't see it as judgment. Like, if I do wrong, I'm going to stand before the Almighty Judge and be judged for my sin. Um, but they, they, they're more impersonal. Salvation uh, comes from morally good living, obviously doing the best in, in the life that you have so that you can get out of this cycle. Um, they see Christ as a divine manifestation, but uh, not more special than any other person. We believe with, uh, the same as Hindus in that we believe that no one can be coerced to faith. Um, we also agree, agree that there are lasting consequences to our actions, but that's about the extent of it. The differences are that their view of history is extremely different. They believe in a cyclical view of history, so birth, death, rebirth, and just keep going around in circles until you can finally get out of that. We believe in a linear view of history. That is, that God created things. He, he's bringing us to a culmination where His Son will reign and be overall. Um, uh, they believe in an impersonal Brahman, and we believe in a personal God who cares. And um, there's... Uh, a lot more we can say on that. Let's move on to uh, Buddhism here. I still got a couple more and run out of time. Uh, half a billion people worldwide, Buddhists, uh, mainly in China and East Asia, founded by Guatama, a rich prince who later became Buddha. Um, you know what Buddha looks like? Just go to the Chinese restaurant, get to rub his belly. Uh, after living a life of sensuality and luxury, provided to him by his dad, he left the palace to see the world, and he was struck by the transience of life and the problem of suffering, and so he said, you know what, I'm not going to live this life of riches anymore, I'm going to live a life of asceticism, I'm going to kind of go off and be poor, move myself away from people, meditation, um, he left home, adopted the life of a wandering ascetic, and embarked on a spiritual quest, he wandered around for six years, 
trying various religious systems until he realized that freedom must happen through release from all these worldly entrapments of, of, of anxiety. Um, and so he, um, he recognized that, or he believed that meditation brings a sense of freedom from the continual whirlpool of thoughts and anxiety and um, later Gautama uh, became Buddha or the enlightened one achieved oneness with the rest of creation um, he had a deep understanding supposedly of the nature of suffering and its cause and the way of stopping it and so this Lord Buddha then devoted the rest of his life to teaching the way to stop suffering by his death at the age of 80 he had considered uh, he had a considerable following and a well-organized community who believed the same as he um, it's difficult to talk very sensibly about Buddhism or to Buddhists because they don't really believe in absolutes um, and that's why it's become so appealing even in the West because of this postmodern society in which we live. Um, Paul and I went to a Buddhist temple when we were in Brazil, and uh, they—it was, yeah, it was—it was sad. I mean, it was terrible. Um, these people come by and get their pictures next to these idols, and um, you know, half-built idols. Um, yeah, under construction. <laughs> It was sad. Um, they believe that there is not one true God, but that we are all God, that all is God. Um, that's a pantheistic idea. Everything is God. There is no omnipotent creator. They believe that um, that any God of that kind is not part of their belief. They also believe in karma, like the uh, Hindus. I believe the soul is trapped in the endless cycle, similar, similar to the Hindus as well, um, and that the clouds of illusion must be dissipated before the practitioner can see real things clearly. So, you know, we, we kind of live in this foggy world and we need to get outside of that, and the way to that is asceticism, you know, getting away, moving to the poor life, the way of um, uh, less entanglements, less distractions, um, they believe in the four noble truths. To live is to suffer. Suffering is caused by desire. One can eliminate suffering by eliminating desire, and desire is eliminated by the Eightfold Path. The Eightfold Path is um, right view, right intention, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, right meditation. And that supposedly brings them to a place of Nirvana, where all action and interaction ceases. This is their kind of state in, of enlightenment, the place where personality is, uh, is extinguished. The believer drops into a bottomless ocean of reality. <laughs> it's just so bizarre. Yeah, and it's just like trying to talk sense with someone who believes such nonsense. I mean, in the truest form of the word, nonsense is difficult. Um, the analogy that um, that is given here is the turtle speaking to the frog. You know, I can't really describe the ocean since you only know the pond. The only thing I can do is take you there. You know, so it's like that's, that's the way you're going to hear it from a, a Buddhist. I can't really describe nirvana, but I, I, I can lead you there. 
Um, they believe that Jesus was another teacher, that he led people to enlightenment, to nirvana, but he wasn't the Almighty God. He wasn't the Son of God. At best, he was just like another Buddha. Um, we also recognize, you know, with them that, that there is suffering and there is a problem of suffering in the world. Um, but obviously our difference is, is that it's not that we need to eliminate desires. That's their idea. The way to eliminate suffering is to eliminate desires. And that's not the problem. It's not that we have desires. It's that we have the wrong desires. We need to desire the right object, the right thing, obviously, which is God um, and knowing Him. The fifth major world religion is Mormonism. 20 million people worldwide, mainly in the United States and the West. Joseph Smith started this in 1805. Yeah, I'm sorry, he was born in 1805. And at the age of 14, he supposedly saw God and his son, Jesus Christ, in his first first vision. At age 17, Joseph was met by heavenly messengers who prepared for him this role of restoration of the church of Jesus Christ to the earth, these latter-day saints. And so he was a prophet, just like those in the biblical times. And then in 1844, Joseph Smith and his brothers were and his brother, excuse me, were killed in Carthage, Illinois. And um, so the leadership of the church was passed along to Brigham Young, who was the senior apostle of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints at the time. The Mormon Church uses the Bible and the Book of Mormon as its primary authorities. The Mormon Church uses God as the supreme being of the universe, but he attained that position over a long period of time. He gradually became the supreme being by living a perfectly righteous life. And they teach that God the Father has a body of flesh and bones. So that, that would be a huge um, disconnect from what we see in the Scriptures. God the Father does not have a body of flesh uh, and bones. God the Son does. Uh, they believe that mankind's problem is that, that um, we are born into the world as spirit beings. Physical birth gives bodies to these spirits. So we're, we're born as spirits and then we're born as bodies. And... We all are born with an opportunity for free will and that the physical world represents a period of probation. That the way we live here on this earth, once we have been clothed with our body, is going to determine what's going to happen to us in the next. Um, if the deeds of the physical life are performed satisfactorily, then uh, we can become a god in the afterlife and even produce spirit children to populate the world. Um, salvation, they, they hold that Jesus Christ overcame physical death and guaranteed physical re resurrection to all mankind. However, physical death, I'm, I'm sorry, spiritual death can only be avoided through personal obedience of God's commandments. Um, so it's not in trusting in Jesus alone as the finished work um, that God did for us in paying, atoning for our sins. For them, forgiveness of sins requires faith, repentance, and baptism by a, an approved Mormon priest. Uh, they see Jesus and Satan as spirit brothers and as sons of God. So one took one route and the other took... So they're kind of impartially born to God some way, and then Jesus took the good route and Satan took the bad route. Um, and the Father chose Jesus and... Uh, sent him to, to this earth 
crucified on a Roman cross, and so on. Similar to them, we believe in morality and obedience, but different from them, we, we recognize that we are unable to live a life righteous enough to meet God's perfectly holy standard. They say we can, and we can attain godness. Uh, we can attain godhood, supposedly. Um, so, so those are the, the Mormons. Any thoughts or questions? I, I wanted to kind of wrap this up by looking at Acts 17, but I apologize we ran out of time. Any, any thoughts on any of these five World religions. Yeah. 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 They do. They twist it. I worked for a lady for seven years, right across the hall from me in my office. And she would come to our Bible study, and mm-hmm. she would take notes, and then she'd come later and try to tell us where we were wrong. That's weird. She's just scary. The talking circle. Yep. And you try to witness the one, you'll just, it starts off to say, at some point in time, you're going to get to the point where you have to say, listen, let's agree to this. If you're correct, I don't have a problem by how they believe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You if I'm correct, you got a big problem yep. because you're mm-hmm. not saved. Mm-hmm. So leave it at that. Because yeah. eventually, because it's very frustrating to yeah. You can't ever win their conversation. What was the name of the missionary that we supported in Utah? Yeah, Matt Ortega. He was telling me um, one of the challenges that he had, um, he was planting a church there and still is actually. Uh, so as you think about him and you run into other Mormons, pray for him. But but as he was seeing people come to Christ, uh, they would their desire was to be to get as far away from Mormonism as they possibly could so that what they would do instead of living there and trying to reach other people they would leave town we got to get out of here because uh, it is it's like just like all these other major world religions it becomes all of life it affects everything that you do so where you go to the market you know you see that big temple when you walk by and so on um, it is huge and so oh yeah yep so Matt's struggling to maintain, you know, he's trying to reach Mormons, but as he does, they're, they're kind of leaving town, skipping town. So, all right, well, that's uh, something to think about. Again, if you want to, I, I pray that you have opportunities to talk to these kinds of people and, and that you are prepared. But go in there saying, listen, I, I want to hear what you have to say, not so that you can, you know, that you can uh, sway me, but, but I want to hear what you want have to say because if we're going to properly refute somebody somebody we need to understand what they're saying um, we can't just broad brush them and, and that was kind of the point of this class today so let's pray I'll be dismissed Lord thank you for um, guarding us from the false teaching that is out there and so prevalent Lord we are are so prone to wander and apart from your Holy Spirit we certainly would be drawn away by some other uh, world religion or some other pursuit of you that is opposed to you. And so we pray for um, others uh, who have been trapped by this, that you would just um, draw them to yourself and use us to do so. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.